Welcome to Experiencing God's Goodness. My name is Michelle Corgett, and today I want to invite you to join me as we hear stories of how individuals have walked through some incredibly difficult times and found God waiting for them in the middle of their darkest hour. We will hear some awesome testimonies of how God has shown up time and time again in the lives of these individuals and how they have experienced God's goodness. We want to thank you for joining us today in Experiencing God's Goodness. I want to welcome Raquel to the podcast today as she shares with us her story of how she has experienced God's goodness through really a lot of years of uh, struggles with addiction and just see where God has brought you from there. So Raquel, why don't you share your story? Yes. Well, thank you first for allowing me to be here. I am nervous and excited (laughs) to share how God has just shown up so many times in my life. Just a little bit about me. I was born in Modesto, California. So I've born and raised for the most part here. I would say the average American story in the more you know, in, in growing up was, you know, me and my brother were about, you know, two years apart, my mom and my dad, and I lived here most of my life. I played sports, so soccer was a big part of my upbringing, playing competitive. We traveled a lot. My background with God is that I grew up going to church. For me, I always enjoyed going to church. It was something that was fun for me. I feel like we were there all the time, weekends, Wednesdays, ministry, all of those things growing up. And I think one of the things as I started getting a little bit older was that I started getting busy. And busyness is something that is kind of a reoccurring thing in in my life because I'm a doer. I, I like to do a lot of things and go a lot of places. And with that, playing competitive soccer was something that maybe we would miss some weekends or things like that. And then I just started feeling a little bit more like a disconnect in a way sometimes. For me, that was that was hard because I wasn't really feeling like I belonged sometimes, which is something else that I have kind of always kind of struggled with here and there as far as just my life not kind of belonging I think another another thing about growing up in in the church was I always felt that I had to be perfect to be a Christian and there was just some things that I experienced along the way that kind of made me just kind of doubt myself and doubt my relationship with God and I never really found that true relationship until I got a little bit older I started acting out sexually in junior high. I had some things that happened when I was younger, kind of like some doctor exploration with when I was a child, and that kind of just awakened things that I didn't know what to do with. And then as I got older, junior high, like I mentioned, started acting out with boys, and which led to me having sex before I entered high school. Growing up in church, that was just a big no. <laughs> that was just a big no-no. And so knowing that in my brain, being perfect and not having any issues was part of being a Christian, I started really pulling away. Another thing that kind of introduced at that point too, once I entered high school, was alcohol. And I realized that that started just numbing the pain from the things that I was acting out with as far as sexually and things like that. So the first time I actually ever drank, I went to the hospital. And you would think that that would be like, 
warning, you should maybe shouldn't do that again. And in my brain, it was just like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'll just do it better next time and that not and that not be an issue. Because the at that point, the things that were the alcohol was helping in me to like numb the pain and numb some of the feelings that I had outweighed outweighed the the negative things at that point. For me, that's kind of where a little bit of the cycle started as far as like acting out sexually and drinking to numb the pain. And that kind of just cycled through. Sports was always something that I continued with and I feel like that was a big saving grace for me because I don't if I if I didn't have sports and soccer and things like that, I probably wouldn't have even finished high school at the rate that I was going because I'm a kind of dive-in person. So once I start doing something, I'm all in. And with the drinking, that was that was the same the same case. So with soccer, you had some really big aspirations. Yes, yeah. So I had actually gotten a scholarship to San Luis Obispo out of high school, and for me. <laughs> the way my brain was, I was like, that's great and I'm excited to go and do all the things, but I also wanted to be like a normal a normal kid. I don't know if I wanted to do the soccer anymore at that point. And it had just been something for me that was just, I think, always there. And so I wanted to experience the college life, whatever, whatever that looked like in my brain. I thought it should look like, I guess. What did you think it should look like at that point? Going to college? Yeah. (laughs) In my brain, where I was at with just the lifestyle that I had been living, it was kind of a double lifestyle because I, on one end, I was playing soccer. I was doing all of those things. I was getting grades enough to play soccer and get to college. But on the other side, I was drinking and just destroying my life on the other side. So I was living this double life. And so when I went away to college... One, I thought it would be a new start. And two, I thought, you know, it would look like everything that I was seeing in the movies or TV. Like, it was going to be great. I could go to school whenever I wanted. I could party whenever I wanted. I didn't have any rules. They wouldn't have anybody telling me what to do. I wouldn't have the pressure, I guess. That's what I thought (laughs) going to college would look like. (laughs) Freedom. Absolute freedom. Absolute freedom. And really, at the end of the day, I... Don't do well with that type of freedom. I need a little bit of structure, which I always buck up against. I always buck up against structure and something that I've come to learn a little bit more. And motherhood is a good thing, but was not something that I still struggle with it. I still struggle with it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I go away to college, this new place, this new found freedom. I asked the coach to take a year off because I wanted to be a normal college kid. So you know, doing whatever I wanted basically was what I wanted to do. And so I I go off and that ends me in rehab the end of my freshman year of college. I got in a DUI and after talking to the person in charge of all those things, they suggested me going into rehab. And so that's where I went. I was there. I did my 30 days. I went, I don't even know really where I was. <laughs> Honestly, there was from this point in the next about 10 years of my life is pretty much a blur. Everything mushes together. Everything is kind of like spaghetti and time frame can be a little a little nuts when it comes to that. So 
After that, though, did you you didn't stay in San Luis Obispo? No, I didn't. I left. My dad had found a team, and I went up to Yuba City, basically right out of rehab. I did my 30 days. I went home, back to Modesto, packed up, and moved to Yuba City. My mom went up and scoped out a couple of AA places and things like that. And But again, I was off to a different place. Again, there was freedom there. I didn't have anyone kind of like breathing down my neck other than the coach in the school that I was going to, you know, to stay on track. And again, I had a lot of freedom there as well. And the cycle pretty much picked up after I'd been there for a couple weeks, maybe less than that. Just picked up all over again, went to school, played soccer just enough to play soccer and get grades to play soccer. And then I did whatever else I wanted other than that which was, you know, I acted out sexually, was, you know, revolving men, and it was it was messy. It was really messy. I would just drink to cover the guilt and the shame that I was feeling because I knew, I always knew that that wasn't the life should have, you know, that I always knew that I wanted more. But I was, I was like, well, you know, I'll go back to church one day, like one day when, you know, I have the job, I have, I've finished college, I have the kids, I have all that, like, I'll go back to church then. Like, I, I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't done doing things my way at that point. So when did that all change? That changed. I would say I got done playing a couple years at Yuba City, and then I came back home to Modesto. All the while, I mean, I was in and out of school. I mean, I was in college. I was just, you know, doing doing enough to pass, <laughs> barely. I have a lot of credits that I've had to repeat, I'd say that. <laughs> but I always say I was on the I was on a 10-year college plan. But I came back home, I started working, and it really didn't change until I was 25. That's when I went to rehab the second time, and I honestly couldn't tell you how I ended up there in a sense that one night I went out, I was drinking, I came home, and I told my mom that I didn't want to live like this anymore. And to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I said that, I thought that, but she knew of a place because she had heard from somebody else of a place and in that moment shipped me off to rehab. Lo and behold, I was still in Modesto and I didn't know it for two weeks. <laughs> I had no idea. I was I had no idea. But I was here doing doing the program again. It was there that I was that whole saying in recovery, sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had gone places. I thought things were going to be different. Every time I went somewhere, I was the same me. So the same things followed. Everywhere you go, there you are. I am all about recovery sayings. <laughs> they help me. They help my brain. That's that's kind of where recovery really took off for me. I had to change my whole life. And I was ready. I was ready at that point. I was ready the first time at 19. I wasn't ready. I had a lot of reservations. What about, you know, my wedding? I'm going to want to have alcohol at my wedding. Um, what about, you know, I've never been to Vegas. I want to go to Vegas. I mean, all these things that were like, I was just holding on to 
that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, I had a so I had a sober wedding <laughs> years later, and then I never went to Vegas, but that's a good thing. I mean, I went to play soccer once, but it was a good thing, I think, I never went to Vegas <laughs> to party. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have left. When I was 25, going to that rehab facility, being local, I ended up back at Big Valley, somewhere I never thought I would go back to. I was like, I'm never going to go back there. I'm going to go up in flames when I walk through the door. No. Like, you know, there's just, I, I didn't want to go back there. And honestly, if my mom would have told me that there was a, a recovery group there, I probably wouldn't have gone. But I had to discover that for myself as well. But I, I, I dove in to recovery. I had to, to save, to save my life. Everything that I didn't want to have happen, happened. I, you know, had been to jail multiple times overnight. I had had a hold, like a psych hold. I had gotten two DUIs. Relationships were, so many were broken. I had gotten an STD. There's so many things that I was like, that's never going to happen to me. It's never going to happen to me. It's never going to happen to me. And all of the things that I said would never happen, happened. And I'm like, I guess maybe I should do things other than my way (laughs) and then maybe something different will happen so that's how I landed in self-recovery and started my sobriety journey at 25 Hmm? but many yeah (laughs) from there you meet your husband Mm -hmm. And um, you guys have created a, a beautiful family together. Yes. You have four little ones. Today, though, looking back, how have you experienced God's goodness through all of that? Just meeting my husband has been one of the biggest ways that I have received God's love in, in, in that sense and experienced it. I had never done relationships in a healthy way. I mean, we met at Celebrate Recovery at Big Valley. I, I, I always say, I always preface it, like I don't recommend <laughs> meeting significant others in recovery. We put in a lot of work. We went through dating counseling, like with a pastor. And I'm like, really? But we felt like these two little teenagers again. Because, if, I mean, like I mentioned, I had started acting out sexually when I was in junior high. So all of these milestones that I had passed along the way that should have been saved until I got older had been muddled and had happened. And so experiencing God's gift in a healthy relationship was huge. It was huge. Like, I mean, even just holding hands when we first got together was like, you felt the tingles and the, the things that like they talk about that you know, or just, oh, I can, I can remember it. You know, we just celebrated our 12th year anniversary as being married. And I can still remember like holding hands or like our first kiss and those different things that, you know, I never remembered with other relationships because they were just always either overlapping. I mean, one night stands, like things like that, that are just so out of, yeah, just, just not something that I ever imagined I thought I would be doing. So to have this relationship that's just amazing. And I love him so much. He's my best friend. We went through premarital counseling before getting engaged, which is something that's different too. I know some people do it, but that was something for us 
that was important. I had to get myself in a place where I was ready to date to begin with. So I had two years of sobriety when we even started thinking about dating. And we continued to date, which is something that we learned early in premarital before we got married is dating and courting. You still do when you get married. And that's something that we continue to do and have been blessed to be able to do with uh, the family that we have here. Let's go back to what you said at the very beginning about perfectionism. What was the place that you came to where you figured out perfectionism is not a requirement of being a Christian? So for me, that happened that happened through recovery. Learning grace was huge. Like I'd always heard of it and I'm sure I was taught I was sure I was taught everything. But what I learned as a child and what I what I brought out of it was something completely different. So once I started going back to church and building that relationship with God, he showed me all the times that he had been there for me, all of the times where he showed up. And he still continues to be like, remember, remember that when thought that you had where you thought about, you know, coming out and and not being in that lifestyle anymore. Do you remember that one time? And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm like that was me. Like that was me, you know, saying and wooing you, wooing you back. And I, at that time, was so caught up in my own things and doing things my way, I shoved that down and didn't listen. And as I continue my sobriety, I continue to find those places that he would call me, you know, and and talk to me. And it's 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 been so amazing to experience that now looking back and it seems like just yesterday I mean it really does and also it seems like a forever lifetime ago did you find that it was easier to show grace to others than yourself oh yeah as in now or then or back then yeah I think it was something where I've always been better at giving grace and those types of things to others than to myself. So that's something that I feel like across the board has always been something that I've done. So how do you do that now? As far as giving grace? Uh, no, showing it to yourself. Showing it to myself. <laughs> that one still can be hard, to be honest. That's something that I continually struggle with and battle. And I think that's also, those are like those little, you know, like those holes. He's like He likes to like push where... He's trying to get me back, you know? And so I really, it's, I have to, one, remember where I came from and remember all the things God has brought me out of. And I think with that, that helps me to remember, to show myself grace. I'm like, look, this is how far you've come. I mean, even just sharing that I was going to be talking about my testimony, I mean, there is... There were so many people who were said they were praying for me and, and excited for me. And I met, I, I, I had went on <laughs> and I had, I shared like a video and I said, thank you. Like I had to stop reading the comments because I was getting so emotional at the fact that there were so many people who were, you know, in just that had been encouraging me. Like I, it was really overwhelming to see and to hear from people. So I I have a question to ask that I want, 
let me preface it with, I've been in contact with a lot of young ladies, mostly in high school, who have really been very sexually active or using alcohol to numb themselves, and they're going through that whole cycle. What would you want to tell them? I think the one thing that I would I would like to say or I would I would tell them is there is hope of a different life. If you feel like you can't change or if you feel that you aren't worthy enough for the chance to change, that's just a lie from Satan. <laughs> that is a complete lie. There is so much hope out there. There's so many people rooting for you that you don't even know. There were people that prayed for me that I didn't even know who they were, and I still don't. The opportunity to get out of that cycle is there. It just takes, you know, one, it just takes a, um, I don't know how to explain it. It takes a choice. And it just takes, it takes one choice to choose a different way, and there's help along the way. So if that choice is made, like I had to get into all of the, all of the places that I needed to be. It's not that it's easy. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a possible thing to do. And the support is there if you ask for it and are willing to take it. I think it is sometimes the fear of opening up Pandora's box, you know, getting into those muddy places that we don't want to explore. And when you're 15, 16 years old, that seems very scary because there's so much unknown in that of even how that works at that age. You know, as adults, we can kind of go, well, yeah, I can see how it works now because I've kind of dabbled in the mud. But back then you're like, no, I, I don't even know if I dabble, maybe I'll get swallowed up by it. And so it's a very overwhelming prospect for them. But like you said, there are people willing to walk alongside them. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to go swimming and know there's lifeguards. Yeah. 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 There is. And there's so, and there's so much help if you're willing to put yourself out there. And, and God has used the things in my life that I thought I would never say out loud. He's using those things for me right now. Like right now, God's using the things that I thought I would never talk about, never share. And one, I'm sharing them here. <laughs> and then I, you know, I it has allowed me to have empathy and to be able to serve in so many places that I never thought I'd be able to to serve in. Like I stand up, you know, on, you know, stage and share my story. I work with other moms and I am in ministry and I always kind of joke like, well, if they knew where I came from, they wouldn't allow me up here. But then really, that's kind of the reason why I'm up there, like to show like there is a transformation available, you know, in in God. And it's it always, always, always brings me to tears. I, I, I knew I would cry at some point, so... <laughs> That's a thing, you know, that's a, you know, I started, you know, when you asked about, you know, that, you know, those teenagers or, or who, whoever is struggling in this area. I mean, my, I have so much empathy for that. I can, I can just, rem I remember it all. Like physically, I feel like can remember so many things and it just brings me, it, it brings me back and it breaks my heart because I see 
the other side and I see that there's a change possible. And so I would, I always want people to know that's one of the biggest things. Like I want people to know that change is possible. We're so glad that you could join us for today's podcast. If you're interested in experiencing God's goodness in your own life and you would like somebody to pray with you, there's a 24-hour hotline that you can call at 1-800-700-7000. There is somebody on the phone ready to talk to you so that you too can experience God's goodness.